Into the Woods is one of those shows, like Little Shop of Horrors, that I never thought I ever needed to see again done by professionals. And yet, Writers Theatre here in Chicago is doing a production of Into the Woods that was amazing and combines professional slickness and amazing singing and fantastic acting with the charm of a high school production. And I mean that in the most thoroughly complimentary way possible. Now I'm talking with three of the dames who do make it so. McKinley Carter as Jack's mom, Brianna Borger as the baker's wife, Bethany Thomas as the amazing witch. Um, have I just insulted you ladies? I mean it to be complimentary. <laughs> Not at all. I actually recently saw a high school production of Legally Blonde that was my favorite production I've ever seen of it. I think the the genuine spirit that yeah. younger performers tend to bring to theater when they are passionate about it and love it is so magical and I think it gets lost yeah. in professional theater a lot of times. So I think that's a very high compliment. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever it is, wherever you are. I'm Austin Titchener, one-third of the Reduced Shakespeare Company, and you're listening to this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast, number 665, Into the Woods. Once upon a time, in a far-off kingdom, there lay a small village at the edge of the woods. Full disclosure, Into the Woods is not my favorite Sondheim musical for reasons I'll explain in a few minutes. I'm not even sure it's in my top 10 favorite Sondheim musicals if you include West Side Story and Gypsy, for which Mr. Sondheim only wrote the masterful lyrics. So I was pleasantly astonished by the current Writer's Theater production, which was directed by Gary Griffin and combines glorious singing with meticulous acting and an in-the-round staging to create the best possible professional production of Into the Woods I can imagine. So I was so lucky to speak with three of Into the Woods' leading ladies, Brianna Borger, McKinley Carter, and Bethany Thomas, because I was dying to know how they did it. You heard Brianna there at the top, and Bethany Thomas was the first to take a crack at articulating just what makes this particular writer's theater production so special. Well, I actually did this show in high school and played the witch then. So to say that it has the charm of a high school one, I, that makes me feel really good because we honestly thought we were like doing the Lord's work. <laughs> like, we were doing Sondheim in high school. We're like, well, yeah. this is it, kids. You've made it. Uh, I approached this character. This is the third time I've played the witch. And I think that this time I just threw out the idea of her being a villain. I just like got rid of that. Like the her as this evil thing mm -hmm. that this force that's coming to mess everything up like that's I didn't even want that to be part of her brain or her idea at all uh I know I kind of started out thinking about like well what is her like mental illness <laughs> and I watched this weird show on Hulu called the act about that like they asked that woman with like Munchausen's yes, yes yeah. who like oh yes like did all those things to her daughter yeah. and there's like so codependent and entangled that it's 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 frightening. There's a lot of frightening stuff about it, obviously, but I kind of started with that idea. Yeah. Like, where did this woman come from where, like, this is her end-all, be-all, like, nobody else is touching this but me. 
kind of thing. I love well, I love that from a psychological standpoint and very very serious actor thing. But then what I also love is that your your witch, at least in Act One, most of Act One, sounded like a borscht belt comic. I love which I love. I it's not what I was trying to do, but it is something that I notice sometimes, and I'm like, all right, Bethany, let's let's settle down. But it's great. It brings this energy to it and seems totally in keeping with um, Sondheim's lyrics. I, I think so. I, I think when I'm getting weirded out by it, it's it's because I'm thinking I'm trying to sound like Bernadette Peters or something. Okay. Which I don't mm. want to try to do. You know? No, you don't need to do. You sound like yeah. Bethany Thomas, and that's pretty great. <laughs> um, McKinley, you're Jack's mom, and yeah. um, you're, a, you're playing her younger than I've seen her before. Well, I walked in the room knowing I was going in for this role, trying not to be offended because historically she's played by at least 50s, if not 60s. And you're 27? Yes, exactly. Yeah, that's what I thought. Right. And, um, and Gary kind of looked across the table and he went, I did the math. If Jack is 14 or 15, there's no reason he can't have a mom who's less than 50. Yeah. And I was like, huh, yeah, I guess you're right. And then it really gets down to, and she's often played as a kind of daughtering yeah. kind of fool. And in this, and well, what I will say about this production, um, I'm glad the charm comes through as well, but immediacy. Mm. And the stakes of these characters and what they need and what they want or what they think they want in that moment. Um, that's really important. I cared about I cared about Jack's mom in this yes. production, and I rarely do. Yeah, and I think that's a better foil for Jack as well. Yeah, you kind of see where his journey goes and why he does it. Yeah, um, and it, and you know that love hate relationship that you have with a bossy parent or two people who are so vastly different from each other, trying to live together and figure out how to live their best life. And as a parent, with your idiot children. Well, yes, that's true, too, because I was yeah. like, this is kind of like the modern, um, you know, uh, ADD mm -hmm. child and the single mom. Yeah. I mean, it really is. She's got too much going on. <laughs> and you've worked with Gary, what did you say, this is your 10th time? I think this is nine or 10, nine productions, and I think five of those, including this, were Sondheim. And you were in the Sunday in the Park that he directed at Chicago Shakes, which was every bit as good yes. as the so Broadway production with the original cast. larger space. Right. Because he okay. did do it first upstairs okay. um, with the smaller. But uh, yeah, and I trust him implicitly with Sondheim. Mm -hmm. He just knows yeah. and he understands and it really has to do with that urgency. Brianna, y your relationship with the baker, and again this might sound like a like a criticism and it absolutely wasn't, but I thought I thought you, I didn't think you were well matched you and Michael Mahler playing the baker. You're both amazing individually, but I thought, oh, well this is a couple that doesn't get along. Oh, this is a couple that doesn't get along. Yeah. Oh, was that a, now was that conscious or on your guys' part? That was completely Gary. Okay. And uh, like Bethany, I've played this part before as well, oh, okay. but it was before. It was nine years ago. It was before I was a mother personally. Um, it was. I had been married all of I think six months when I did this show last right. time. You know, right. so mm -hmm. I am in a very different place in my life, and. I think I automatically came into this just like, oh, well, it's this, you know, sweet married loving couple and they want a kid and all of these little arguments they have are just, you know, spats that you have in a moment of stress. Cute. And yeah. yeah, and Gary really wanted us to 
play into, no, they, this is probably an arranged marriage and they probably, you know, are fine with each other, but don't really love each other in that way. And the, the love song in act one is kind of where that table turns Mm -hmm. and they realize that they can have a relationship that functions in that way. And I, and again, like McKinley, I trust Gary implicitly with this and I love working with him because he does challenge my thoughts as an actor. I think if you are a somewhat self-sufficient actor sometimes in a larger production, you won't get directed very much because they're like, well, I have bigger fish to fry. You know what you're doing. It's fine. And I think as someone who generally falls into that category, it's so exciting to have a director who will challenge you every single moment and be like, no, no, no. We're gonna we're gonna turn that around, and even if you're doing something he likes, he will make you go the roundabout way to figure out why you like doing it that way. Uh-huh. So, um, and it was really hard for me because I was like, oh god, she's like, she's such a harpy now. Like I feel like <laughs> she is she is fighting with him all of the time, and it took me a long time to find the heart and warmth that is at the center of that marital struggle. And I think both Mike and I had had to find our paths there, but we figured it out finally. Well, she doesn't come off as a harpy at oh, all. Good. At no. all. Good. At all. <laughs> um, it's interesting. I mean, I guess you could argue that the baker and the baker's wife are the central couple of this show, but without a couple, or with a couple that's uh, struggling, mm-hmm. they're not kind of the emotional center of the show anymore. And that, for me, through the focus of the whole show, and might have added to its charm, through the focus totally on all the relationships between parents and children. You're listening to the Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast. Hi, I'm NPR's arts critic Bob Mondello and a devoted fan of the RSC ever since they thanked me years ago for making up my own jokes when I reviewed them instead of stealing theirs. Where can you RSC the RSC? You can see Reduced Shakespeare in your own home by owning your very own copy of Pop-Up Shakespeare, written by me and Reed Martin and illustrated by Jenny Mazels. It's on sale worldwide, and you can find links to both Amazon and independent bookstores in the U.S. and the U.K. on our website. Our fall of 2019 tour of the complete works of William Shakespeare Abridged Revised begins this week in Davidson, North Carolina, and then continues on with performances in Greeley, Colorado, Arcata, California, Fayette, Fayetteville, Arkansas, Bothell, Washington, Elmira, New York, Eau Claire, Wisconsin, East Lansing, Michigan for two nights, and Branchburg, New Jersey. We'll also perform the Ultimate Christmas Show abridged on three nights in December 23rd to the 22nd in Phoenix, Arizona, and we will open our 11th stage show, Hamlet's Big Adventure, a prequel in Rohnert Park, California on October 18th to the 20th and then perform the international premiere of Hamlet's Big Adventure this November as part of the Tel Aviv Festival in Israel with performances in Jerusalem, Haifa, and two performances in Tel Aviv. As always, the very best way to stay up to date about all of our worldwide performance dates is to sign up for the Reduced Reader, our email newsletter. Go to ReducedShakespeare.com and click on the link to subscribe and check out our touring page for specific box office, venue, and ticket information. And now back to my conversation with Brianna Borger, McKinley Carter, and Bethany Thomas. 
Thomas, the baker's wife, Jack's mother, and the witch in the Writers Theater's current production of Into the Woods. I was asking them about the intersection of Sondheim's lyrics with his music and the possibility or even the advisability of separating the two. So when you're working on Sondheim, do you do the classic thing of, let's just say the lyrics to the songs as monologues? Do you act them like that and then you learn the music? Or, you know, you, you, do you know what I'm asking? Anybody got an answer? To I mean, thank God Matt Deitchman didn't make us do that yeah. and Gary didn't yeah. make us do oh, that. They, okay. I, I, I hate doing that so much. <laughs> Not my favorite exercise. Okay. No, um, and I think, I think especially working with, with a Sondheim piece, his music relates to the lyrics so intrinsically there's it's kind of unnecessary mm -hmm. he writes rhythms and melodies in a way that absolutely marries to the music yeah. and if you just give yourself to that so much will come out of it yeah. so i mean we did a a lot of music work, yeah. obviously, beforehand, but it's it's all there for you. Yeah. The rhythms inform the text, yeah. right. like Shakespeare. Yeah. Sondheim is the Shakespeare of musical theater. Right. It just, it just is. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, there were rhythms and, and even some notes, like even after doing the role a couple times with working with Matt through this way, I was like, oh, I had no idea that's how that phrase went. Uh-huh. That changes how I would sing it, that changed, like, it, mm -hmm. It's well, real. I, yeah. I, I mean, I'm an actor who will always say, Tell, "Give me a line reading. What do you What do you want? What's What's the music you hear? <laughs> yeah. What's the, What's the music you hear? Because, like, you know, you don't say to Sondheim, "Yeah, I wouldn't sing it like that." No, you would no. sing it like that, and like Shakespeare, mm -hmm. you yeah. would say it the way it's supposed to be said. Uh-huh. One of the other things that added to the high school community theater charm of the thing is the fact that there, you have actual little kids in the show. Uh -huh. You have some mm -hmm. sort of fan favorites here uh, performing in the show. Michael Halberstam is the artistic director stepping in as the narrator. True. Um, Bill Brown, who's played here a lot. Yes. Put the th put they built for the first time in the new space, created in the, in the round setting. Um, is anything that I'm is is anything that I'm saying something that you guys were conscious of during the process, or is it all? Am I just I, I'm just reacting to the result? I do see people around the town that have been to the show. I guess that always happens when you work here. But yeah. I wonder if anybody like seeing the show has been feeling that more community thing, just because you can see it's in the round. So and you see the community. We're yeah. in that yeah, little community. True. I'm. I mean, it's been sweet for me, but like, I'm wondering if there are people, you know, at the Tudor Wine Bar who are just like, yeah, and this guy saw me at the show, and I saw this guy. I don't, I don't know. I, I like the community aspect of it in that way. Yeah, I, I do too. Because you're, they're accountable for not only themselves but oh, other people seeing them. Yeah. Because yeah. usually you can just escape, but you can't because uh -huh. right. everyone yeah. can see yeah. you. Yeah. I've, I've certainly had a lot of people say that they felt more engaged as part of it, mm. whether, whether that was a positive for them yeah. or not. There are certainly sure. sometimes we turn to the audience and sing to them and they're like, oh God, don't look at me, don't look at me, don't look at me, uh, because it's a different, it is a different social contract that yeah. we're setting up with the yeah. show and I yeah. think it takes them a minute yeah. Yeah. to get used to that. You've all done shows here before. Uh, Bethany was amazing in Mooford the Biscotten. You were amazing in Parade, that show-stopping number, and I forget what the hell you did, but you did something. I was in Parade, parade. too. Oh, yeah, you were Parade, another, too. You... Another put-upon mother. Thank right? you very much. <laughs> oh. 
It's good to have a niche. Uh, yeah. Is it? Right. Um, do, 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 <laughs> My child lives in this one. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> I'm moving up. Hey, all right. You're keeping a scorecard, a scorecard backstage. How many kids do I lose in this show? Um, do you? But but I guess my question was, uh, did you get did you get um, audience interaction with the community on the previous shows, or is there something about this show? Do you know notice? Do you know what's what's interesting about this in parade was we tried to do parade in the round, oh. very briefly. Right. There were supposed to be audience seats up on the on stage balcony okay. for parade, yeah. and then once the actual set was built and we got into the space, I believe we did one preview with people sitting up there, and they immediately were like, yeah, that's not going to work. Oh. And then we just scrapped it, it and did it in the regular thrust seating. And we had a whole day after the first preview of restaging stuff so that we weren't playing upstage. Wow. So I, I'm, I haven't talked to him about it, but I'm sure Gary is thrilled to finally have yeah. his in the rounds <laughs> thing that. because he talked during parade yeah. pre-production. He was saying like, I want, I want the audience to feel watched by the audience in yeah. this because of the whole drama of the courtroom, the courtroom and trial and things like that. So I think I'm sure that he was very excited to finally have that mm. in the round experience where the audience is seeing us and also seeing the community past us. Right. I do think we set it up from the beginning, even with the first I wishes, mm -hmm. that we're connecting with individual people. So I think it sets this precedent. They know it's going to happen. They prepared for it. And so I think they kind of get used to it through yeah. the show. But there are those who are not as comfortable with it. And then some people love it. Like I said, my, I wish my son were not a fool. And this guy just looked right at me and nodded. That <laughs> <laughs> was great. It was okay. fantastic. Been there. You get the, I don't, I, I have no children. That's okay, too. Oh. I mean, that is one of the biggest <laughs>, laughs of the entire show oh, that is such a joy to hold for it's every night because you see the people who are like oh yes yeah. I agree with that maybe my feeling about Into the Woods is like it feels like it feels like the gateway Sondheim drug you know it's your way you know it's the Midsummer Night's Dream of the Sondheim oh, canon yes. does that does that make sense? Yeah. Absolutely. And I think especially for like mine and BT's generation, uh -huh. because this came out when we were kids, it's just the first, you know, like I love the entire Sondheim canon and I've he's the reason why I went into musical theater, but Into the Woods was a perfect gateway drug as a young person yeah, to be introduced to that music and the stories in a way that's not not perhaps as heady as trying to understand all of Sunday in the Park with George mm -hmm. or right. Pacific Overtures or something, <laughs> yeah. you know, as a 14-year-old. It's no passion, <laughs> for instance. Oh, my. <laughs> right. I've done that one. That's it for this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast. The Writers' Theater production of Into the Woods has been extended through September 29th, 2019. If you're in Chicago this month, be sure to get tickets for this accomplished, intimate, and incredibly charming production by visiting writerstheater.org. Then send us your favorite Sondheim musical via email to feedback at reducedshakespeare.com. You can find us and interact with other fans on our dedicated podcast page on Facebook at RSE Podcast, on Instagram at Reduced Shakespeare Company or on my preferred platform on Twitter at Reduced. You can also follow me on Twitter at Austin Titchener. Thanks as always to Lady Who Lunches Matthew Croak, web services by Ginger Power Limited, and music by John Weber and Garage Band, and this week by the incomparable Stephen Sondheim. 
Our random fan shout-out this week goes to an effervescent tornado, one of our fans on Twitter. No reason, it's just random. Special thanks to NPR's film critic Bob Mondello, who claims in his Twitter bio to be, quote, an unrepentant Sondimite. And finally, thanks very much to you for listening. I'm Austin Tishner, 665-1995ths of the Reduced Shakespeare Company. This, I think this one's also a gateway, though, because it it relates to people in all stages of life in a way that his other shows don't, I think. You know, mm-hmm. his other shows feel very compartmentalized, and it's... I think the last professional production in town was the one Bethany and I did nine years ago together at Porchlight. And so I know I've had a lot of friends who saw that nine years ago and now are all all in a completely different stage of life. Yep. Most of us have had kids now and and all of them are coming to the show and saying how unprepared they were to watch this as a parent. Yeah. Because last time they watched it as a young person and they yeah. relate to Cinderella and Little Red and Jack, you know, and they and they love it and it's great. And then you come back and watch as a parent and you are a disaster. And you come back and watch it as a grandparent. You know, my parents came back and saw it and they are grandparents now and they were like, oh, got all kinds of new meanings in this show that I never interpreted the last four times we've seen it. So yeah. it's something that really hits home no matter what stage of life you're in. This podcast is a production of the Reduce Shakespeare Company. Reducing expectations since 1981. Go to ReduceShakespeare.com for performance dates, actor bios, email newsletters, and so much less. And so much less. And so much less. And so much less.